You're listening to Breaking Formation, a podcast with your hosts, Jordan and Aaron. We are two former NFL cheerleaders using our platform to connect the pro dance community and redefine the word cheerleader one episode at a time. Hello, Breaking Formation friends. We are back with another episode. Um, this week, we have the pleasure of having Miss Makiba Pate join us, and she was a former Seahawks cheerleader. She did five seasons um, with them, and she is also the host of the Pro Cheerleading Podcast um, and kind of a, a pioneer in the pro cheerleading, pro dance podcast industry. Um, it was, of course, so necessary for us to have her on. So we're so excited to have have you joining us. Thank you so much. Seriously, I'm so excited to be here with you girls. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So Makiba, if you can just kind of take us through kind of your a little bit of your background with dancing and how you got to the professional side of cheerleading and kind of the path that brought you there with the Seahawks. Sure. Oh, okay. And I'll try to be concise. You guys know I'm long-winded, yeah. but <laughs> no worries. <laughs> so I think my path was a little different. I um, I was an athlete when I was in high school. So I ran track and did gymnastics mm-hmm. and I only cheered my senior year of high school and um, thought that it was so much more fun than, <laughs> than the serious, you know, running track and kind of taking it that seriously. And so when I went to Georgetown, I was like, I should try cheerleading again. And so long story short, I cheered four years while I was in college there. And then a huge long break where I went to law school and started practicing law and starting a family. But I hit like a, I call it my mini midlife crisis, but basically just what did I used to love doing, you know, because the demands of being an attorney and just having kids, um, I kind of forgot what I like to do. And so it just brought me back to dance in that way. So I was in I had just turned 30, I believe, when I first started to audition for the Seahawks. Um, my, their auditions always were held like on the weekend of my kids' birthdays. They're two days apart in April. And uh, I just tried to go for it. And, you know, I knew I still had my flexibility and I still love dancing. And I just tried out, made it to finals, pulled my hamstring that year during. Oh, no. I, I didn't know that they were going to do a kick line during the. Uh, while they were teaching us the choreography. It's not that I wasn't thinking about a kick line, but it was just, my leg just snapped. Um, mm-hmm. That was awesome. But but I kept making it back to finals each year, um, even though I was getting cut, but I just felt like I was so close. And so I just kept at it and, um, and just little by little was just kind of realizing things that I needed to do to adjust um, <laughs> just because I was not a glamour girl at all. I was just like, you know, the things that you learn when you go through professional auditions, it's just kind of the style and the look and, and just different things. And I think by the time that I made it that year, my fourth try, I just kind of felt like I had the whole package and was just on this, like, you know what, I'm getting older, take it or leave it. Here I am. And that's when I ended up making the team at, I guess, 33, which is crazy to think about, but that was my path to making it with the Seahawks. I love that it's um, it well because a lot of what we talk about here is how it's such an identity thing and it's kind of you know or just professional cheerleading in general and being a cheerleader and I just love that that was kind of you know how you you kind of found refound that identity for yourself after kind of settling down and doing things a little bit out of order. We just we just had our um, our moms our mama's episode with a few of our former teammates. And that was a big topic we talked about. It was like, you know, you can do both. And it's such, it's, it's so inspiring to me to hear the stories of the women that were moms before Mm -hmm. auditioning, because it's such a different path than most would assume. So that's awesome. Yeah, it definitely is intimidating and scary. Um, I also had like a mother's day themed episode. And like you said, just so touched and moved by, everybody's journey and then the different things that we all struggled with while we were on a team for those who are already moms. Um, But it is definitely something that I'm proud of to teach my kids, which is just finding that passion and not really letting it go, keeping it up and as a part of your life um, so that you're not really 
ever having to sacrifice that, you know, it's, it's worth the hard work and the extra stuff that you have to do to make it all come together. But motherhood should definitely not stop you from kind of pursuing what you want to do. So yeah, so you cheered for five years. And um, how soon after you retired did you start the podcast? Let's see. So that would have been a year later. Um, okay. Because, yeah, I had been off the team for a year. I think Brittany, um, who I started the podcast with, my best friend, she actually had just finished her last year. She did one more year. Um, so it was just around the time that a lot of the lawsuits were happening and, mm-hmm. you know, just a lot of negative attention drawn to our world and um, and just getting approached by different uh, reporters wanting like, is there any issues with the Seahawks? And it just felt, you know how you feel like if you talk to a reporter that they may just take what they want to hear the worst of what you said and yeah, what they wanted to take and not really, yeah, not the full picture. And that's kind of what got me thinking. I think podcasts were relatively new and it was just like, what if we just talk about our space and, you know, the good, bad and the ugly, but just so that people get a, in our own words, like what we love about what we do and some of the challenges, but where we say it, because you can't really control what, you know, the media spends on cheerleading. We just seem to be such a hot topic all the time. (laughs) Definitely. And that was one thing I was really curious to talk to you about, Makipa, was um, obviously, yeah, your motivation for starting the podcast, but also the fact that, um, you know, you were one of the first people to reach out and be super encouraging to us saying, Mm -hmm. you know, we need more voices in this space. And we really appreciated that because it's true. And I, I think it, it, I was talking to Jordan earlier because it's a little bit frustrating, like going through it and kind of putting out what we feel like is positive content and projecting the voices of cheerleaders. But a lot of the times it kind of, conflicts with what people feel are the best interests interests of the team like people are just afraid to speak a lot of the time and I know you you've kind of discussed that on pro cheerleading podcast as well mm-hmm. and I don't know if you have any thoughts on you know why that is or you share your piece on like what what where does that fear come from like because I mean we we definitely like have our opinions too so I'm just curious to know where you feel like that stems mm-hmm. from yeah, it's tough because I know when Brittany and I started, you know, it was even scary, I think, for us, probably less for me because I'd been off for a year, but just feeling like you can openly discuss issues without like becoming just this black sheep that spoke poorly on the program and you're um, telling all your dirty laundry and all the dirty secrets and people, I think, even without listening to the podcast, may have misunderstood what we were trying to do, which is not you know, a tell-all, you know, expose by any means. But um, I think it's just, uh, you know, when you're part of these teams, there is that sense of like you keep what goes on in that team to some degree private. Um, And it does feel like a little bit of a betrayal, I think, when you're talking to the media. You know, you have to get things cleared all the time when you're on a team too. So there's a sense of like, don't talk unless we tell you you can talk. And then even then, like, we're going to help you know what to say and kind of having that media... um, awareness, I would say, in terms of talking about your programs. So I think it's kind of is what we've been ingrained to, to censor and self-censor what we say. Um, I know when we started too, we were trying to figure out who we can reach out to to interview, but Mm -hmm. we saw quickly like, oh my goodness, we probably are going to have to talk to alumni more so than anybody who's actively on a team because everybody was so hesitant about what they would be able to talk about freely. And so navigating that was definitely just eye-opening. And I think we always try to be respectful of just that dynamic because we know it's there. Um, but I don't know if it's just me getting older or more just like, I won't say I'm revolutionary, but I just kind of, I've been trying to push back against that notion of fear because it limits us so much, I think, in this space when we don't have the ability to just discuss issues like objectively, you know, um, things that would actually make our world better. And so just trying to, just by continually talking about it, hopefully just removing some of the stigma and taboo around around it, because it's just kind of the truth. Yeah. yeah, and I think it puts the narrative in the hands of people that don't necessarily know what they're talking about. I think exactly. like when, when it becomes so exclusive and so 
locked tight, it it does kind of have the opposite effect where, you know, people just make assumptions and that are allowed to write about this or, or speak about this. And then it makes it into this stereotyped, ugly thing that it kind of turned into in, in some in some platforms. And so I don't know. I was also just talking to Jordan about, you know, how we kind of had that exact same notion of people thinking it was going to be a trash talking podcast and she brought up she's like well our name is a little scary (laughs) I'm like I guess I was like yeah but I feel like we wanted it to spark curiosity more so than anything like it's like and like if you hear us talk like clearly like that's not our intention here right Exactly. Yeah. Well, th- think about the truth behind the palms tagline. Uh, like in yeah. retrospect, oh, yeah. I'm like, I guess it did sound like what, what's the, <laughs> well, yeah. you know, the right. untold dirty laundry. Yeah. But but yeah, totally. you're, it was really just kind of like the truth. I think um, that was just a guidepost when we started. Like, we're just going to keep it real, just say it how it is. And not everything is just, you know, peaches and ah. rainbows, but but always just trying to be well-rounded in our approach of, of the conversation. And that's just something that, you know, we can't be so blindsided by our, like our our blind loyalty to our teams that we can't think critically about issues. I think that might just be the lawyer in me, but I just think that we all are capable of doing that. And so our own community or industry shouldn't be immune to just really asking some key questions about things that maybe they need to change, you know, and yeah. or maybe they shouldn't change. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, going back to your tagline, um, I mean, like the truth isn't necessarily always a bad thing. It's just the truth. So yeah, exactly. I know that you so you started it a couple years ago, and you've kind of gone through a journey um, through the podcast. Could you maybe tell the listeners a little bit about um, things that have gone on throughout the years? I know that you had the Pro Dance Team playoffs. Um, and you've introduced a lot of new things on the podcast. So maybe you could share with the listeners. Sure. A little walk down memory lane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it was because each season kind of took a little different twist. But, you know, after we kind of covered off on like the major topics that everybody wants to know about, about pro cheerleaders, um, you know, and you guys could probably relate just it's a little scary when you start branching out and asking different people to yeah. do interviews. Um but yeah, it just started to really flow and connect where people were just like, sure, absolutely. And we were able to talk to different directors. So we just started to get like a really interesting perspective of choreographers in this space, you know, again, team directors. We eventually got our first active cheerleader on the show, which was like nice. super exciting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of just trying to, um, in looking at social media, trying to just introduce more of like who we are, what we do and um, random ideas with came to me at different points. Like I did my own NFL draft and that was super yeah. spur of the moment and ended up being a lot of work, but I was just like, oh, we should, you know, just and looking at our rosters and like, you know, some of the bio information, I just wanted to, I'm always curious and wanting to learn about the people who are on the teams and, you know, from focusing on the Pro Bowl cheerleaders to doing the draft to the NBA playoffs last, um, the dance team playoffs last uh, year, it was just kind of a fun way of showcasing what we do. Cause I kind of, observing it all from just part of like research for the podcast. And it was just a way to, um, to showcase some of the things that I see that I love you know, watching in terms of the performances or people whose bio stands out. And so just trying to find ways to highlight that work. And I know a lot of people follow a lot of things, but I just wanted to try to yeah. get it all in one place for everybody to consume. And I really enjoyed that too. I remember um, following along with that because it was cool. A lot of the times, you have these teams and one teammate is selected each year to represent the entire team for Pro Bowl, but you kind of showcased and highlighted other members of the team because there's so much, there's so much behind like each person, each individual on the team. So that was cool to see. Um, I remember you selected Kelly and I knew you were going to select Kelly. because I love Kelly. I love her so much. I remember Dr. Kelly. Yes. I remember meeting her at auditions um, in the bathroom. And ever since then, like she's just such, she was always team Kelly. Even I love Kelly's a team. Jordan was like, Kelly's my girl. (laughs) Kelly's in. But I mean, this isn't about me, but I'm just, I I don't know. I think that it's just, I don't know. There's just a lot of cool things about a lot of the different team members. And so I really enjoyed 
seeing you do Thank that. I you. That was cool. Yeah, I had fun with that. I mean, I was only frustrated when they didn't have much bio right. information. Oh. I'm like, come on, man. Like, what city where they're from and the number of years on the team? Like, can you give yeah. us anything more? Um, uh-huh. But it was awesome to do that because I think, you know, like you said, there's like the the captains that are highlighted and they absolutely yeah. deserve that recognition. Right. The local cheerleader gets the recognition, but, you know, you have like 30 other individuals on a team. And so looking at the bios and trying to see what they've accomplished or just their backgrounds, it was, I found it really, really interesting. I just should have thought of it and planned it out. Cause I was just kind of like, I started something and I was like, Oh crap, I got to keep it going. But it was so much fun at the end of the day. Well, good for you for keeping it going. Cause I know that a lot of the times I get really excited about things and then I don't always finish them. So, so good, good for you. <laughs> Totally. And there's like so many teams too. Like that's a big, a big task. But once again, it's, it's always cool to bring together cheerleading teams when we can, because it's, it's just so rare. I feel like I say that all the time, but it's such a rare opportunity to kind of connect as um, cheerleaders for different organizations. Yeah. It's like the Pro Bowl cheerleaders shouldn't have all the fun with that. Right. Like I feel like they get to get together (laughs) and exchange stories about the programs and then they kind of get a glimpse of what it's like being on other teams. And I, I think that was some of the feedback that I heard a lot from um, people that would write in was just kind of like, I'd love to hear more about like what other teams are like. And so getting the directors on as guests to the show was also pretty cool because they can kind of talk about their approach to auditions or how they manage the teams. And so people kind of get a sense for what it might be like without necessarily, you know, going to an audition workshop or um, just hearing it from the horse's mouth. But it's lots of it's it's great to bring I think just awareness of like the who's who and just again with the NBA playoffs like what the dance styles are like for the different teams and kind of getting a flavor for each one was really another cool thing to to see and to kind of bring so everybody sees it in one place. Yeah, definitely. And one thing I actually meant to ask you was, um, mm-hmm. didn't you go to a few Super Bowls during your time with the Seahawks? Like, oh, yeah. Speaking of opportunities to yeah. like meet other teams. So can you give us a little, little insight there? Sure. Well, one was way better than the other one. Um, oh, but yeah. in 2013, my first year back, um, you know, we went to the Super Bowl and played the Broncos and won that game. And it was just... I'm sure everybody says it like the most incredible feeling in the world, but just the excitement and buzz around the whole trip, you know, from the minute from planning for the Super Bowl, like, you know, our director was just really like on top of everything. And we had like songs that we had to memorize to go to our dances so that we're just like dancing the whole entire game, which was really, really cool. Um, But yeah, just all the buildup and the hype in the community around that first Super Bowl appearance was just like insanity and Mm -hmm. so exciting. And um, there wasn't as much interaction um, with the Denver Broncos cheerleaders that were there. Um, Mm -hmm. Like we did, I think, like a Good Morning America appearance or something like that where you'd have a little bit. But I would say that the tension was not that we didn't want to connect with them, but it was very much like we're here to win. I felt like the cheerleaders were even more competitive in some ways. Yeah. Um, Oh my gosh. But it was just so cool to uh, to do all of the things that, like I said, build up to the big day. And then, you know, just I'll never forget that game from start to finish. It was just so perfect. I mean, we didn't freeze to death, which was amazing because it was supposed to be super cold. It like it was a darn near a blizzard when we were trying to leave the next day. But <laughs> where, um, where was it? Yeah. Again? Yeah. It was in New York. So oh, wow. um, nice. at the yeah, you out. Stadium. <laughs> yeah, it was freezing every single day except the day of the game. And uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change anything. The second year was in Arizona and we played the Patriots and oh, it was oh. gut wrenching because of that, you know, last play. And <laughs> I just remember it's nothing like kind of being on the sidelines and having just went through it the year before, like, um, I know Brittany and I were talking about it, but it's just like, you're sitting there on the sidelines, you know, my, I saw the people come with the confetti guns and I was like, oh my God, I remember this part from last year. Like it's about to happen. Cause we were, you know, we were in the position where we were about to score in my mind and win. And, uh, I just remember having like this, it's about to go down. We're about to win. And then yeah. all the Patriots fans started screaming and I'm just, I was on the opposite end of the field. So I couldn't see what was going on and that was crushing. That was, yeah. we were so close, but at least we got one. Yeah. We got right. one. <laughs> and it was crazy to go back to back. 
to the yeah, so we, close feeling. We can relate but, to that one. Yeah. For sure. yeah. 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 Were you guys like super upset? Like we rushed to the locker room. My director was just like, get off the field. Like we're heading to the bus. Like, cause we shared the same locker room. Was it similar for you guys? Yes. Yeah, it was, you know, there was definitely some tears shed in the locker room mm-hmm. from yeah. at least yeah. half the team. I I don't know. My my way of coping is, you know, I'm very stone-faced in the moment mm-hmm. and then I'll like stub my toe 2 days later and then have the full meltdown, which I think something similar happened for that situation, yeah. but it's yeah, it definitely wasn't wasn't a feel good moment. Um and Jordan and I on one of our previous episodes talked about, I think the hardest part was our line kind of got stuck um, off of the, or before entering the locker room, um, we were stopped and we had to watch like every single player walk past us, like because they were coming off the field. After such an incredible season in the, you know, big name players, George Kittle, Bosa, you know, and just seeing them just like absolutely defeated. It was, it was ter- it was just yeah it was just not a yeah. fun memory it was it was just silent too i just will never forget like how quiet it was other than like clicking cameras like it was just so yeah. eerie oh, but yeah i could totally relate i it's not pleasant at all no. just cuz everybody's heart is invested in, and i know that we're not out there playing but you know you just you're really cheering up for your dang on team to win yeah. and well, i don't know it's- physical it's emotional it's mental yeah. it's like there's it's all of the like, things all of the especially, energies especially like you said the beginning everything's just so you know the energy is just so high and everyone's so excited and then to go yeah. to completely just downhill boom um yeah it was yeah. tough it was tough but yeah. you know but the the good the good news was and we've talked about it before but that the the chiefs cheerleaders you know they were just so sweet and so mm-hmm. welcoming and so like it was such like a camaraderie thing oh, that's going awesome. on <laughs> yeah and so you know it wasn't it wasn't and they were super respectful i think we forgot to talk about this when we went back to the locker room um they were not like screaming and yeah. like making like a big deal out of it and i think they were out of very respect, conscious yeah. yeah of like being respectful and yeah and it was just you know if we had to lose to anyone i'm glad it was them because yeah yeah well the that whole experience with them they were sweet so yeah yeah that's awesome i mean looking back i wish there was it probably just was a matter of like kind of cr- crossing the line so to speak to kind of try to bond more but I think everybody was just kind of like a little bit more guarded but I do remember totally. when we won we I mean we must have stayed out on that field forever I, I think we just kind of were out there for so long celebrating in the moment that um, thankfully I think we would have calmed down if we got to the locker room especially if they were still there but I think my director was just like the year that we lost was just like hurry up get yourself out the locker get to the bus like we do not want to be in here when they come in and all jubilant and happy so but that's awesome that they were respectful we actually kind of took our time in there I think that we (laughs) we did but I will say I think just in regards to like you know the way that we reinteracted with those with the other cheerleaders like I think the time like in the and the community is just I think because of you know podcasts like yours Biki but I feel like it's such a different environment of like being supportive of each other and being encouraging Mm -hmm. and like even though it was just what you said 2013 2014 even then it was a different different. time and it was a different well and social media social media too wasn't as big Mm -hmm. so I feel like that's allowed us to also connect with others within the industry for sure and I think that's probably one of the most beautiful things that I've at least seen in the past couple years is just how I feel like our world just kind of like like shrunk and everybody's kind of like um, and it might be just my softer tendencies of what I have to do to kind of keep up with everything. But you just feel like you know people, even though you kind of don't, but right. you're, you're following them or you're kind of seeing, um, you're following the team accounts and seeing what people are posting. So you just kind of feel like you have a pulse on what's going on and and the connection seems to be there. It was definitely different, like you said, in 2014, the years that I was on the team, I think they were just starting to flirt with you being able to have social media as you know, while you were on the team and being able to say openly that you were a cheerleader for a team, those, I feel like those rules were just starting to bend a little bit, but, yeah. but yeah, it's a lot better now. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Definitely. I know I love when I randomly have a request from someone that I absolutely do not know, but it was just like a, oh, you're you're a pro cheerleader. I'm a pro cheerleader. Let's <laughs> yeah. be friends. Yes. <laughs> I guess on the topic of podcasting, Makiba, mm-hmm. has there been just like any favorite like what what's been like the best opportunity you've seen come up for for you or like your favorite experience you've kind of gotten out of uh, the whole process wow dang I can answer that so many different ways I think for me um it was great to find another way to reconnect with my life and my passion as a pro cheerleader without feeling like I was like desperately holding on you know to every last strand of pom-poms you know like people can't like let it go it just felt like a a cool way to still celebrate what I love doing without just without it being about me and just trying to like relish in that light for forever and ever Um, we all know it doesn't last forever Mm -hmm. but it was it's just been really rewarding for me because I think um my first year off, I didn't really feel like a, a void other than just, oh man, I, I miss performing or I miss hanging out with my friends. But um, just feeling like uh, connected to so many people that I just would never have otherwise, you know, had in my life. Some friendships that have formed as a result of just, you know, interviewing someone for the podcast. I just, it's a, a beautiful gift that I was not anticipating. Um so I definitely have to count that as like a highlight from this whole experience is just I was able to just have this extension of family that I wouldn't have otherwise have made or known in terms of connections with people if it weren't for the podcast. It's just something that I just consider a big gift that I wasn't anticipating in starting it. Um, and then just like some other things that come to mind is just I think it all started with NBA teams when they were kind of going co-ed and I didn't like the way that the women were handled and the transition um, from having an all-female dance team. All of a sudden, I know Brittany was kind of like, what are we doing? But I just, it just hit this advocacy component that was not, um, was not planned or anticipated. I think we always were wanting to like talk about issues, but Mm -hmm. I'm really passionate and fiery. And so when something's not right, I just kind of lock in and I'm just, have to talk about it or write about it or do I'm just that's probably the lawyer in me but that was probably another turn of the podcast that um you know it it feels good for people to feel that their voices are being represented even if they can't say it themselves and um it's not something that was intentional in that way because I'm not like you know voted as the spokesperson for all things pro cheer by any means but um just understanding like what that would feel like and the lack of respect that we often get. And just, you know, I just feel like that, you know, that evolution of the podcast to be able to speak out on those issues was something that was needed. And I think seems to be appreciated. I'm always humbled by it because I just, I kind of just go and say it's, you know, on behalf of myself, but I just feel like it just needs to be said because it's just been a lot of stuff that has not been that great and not very respectful of everything that it puts into, you know, our role as pro cheerleaders. It's beyond just the dances and performances and our uniforms. And I just think until I see us being treated with that kind of respect, I'm probably going to continue to kind of be that advocate for it because it's just what we deserve and the way it should be. Um, But that was just a, a turn of the podcast that I think was not, anticipated but definitely I think just strengthen our community as well because people just knew that it was going to be something that was addressed or talked about and you know hopefully we can take it you know even further just trying to affect change in our in our industry as best we can definitely and I mean I also feel like I think throughout this whole experience we've we've learned that if we're not going to advocate for ourselves there's not really going to be anyone to do it so it's so true it's, I don't and and like yeah and like we were saying in the beginning it's it is a fine line of you know remaining respectful but telling the truth and um we we were able to get a screener link for a woman's work and we mm-hmm. we did watch that together and it, it, I feel like it's the perfect example and I think at one point Lacey the Raider at um talks about how she was just so thrown off by you know a lot of the women saying like why are you doing this like 
like we're fine like and she's kind of just like this is for you and and it's true it's 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 so sad that we like it's it's almost like a split you know it's like it's not necessarily seen by some of the community as being helpful yeah it's it's all we're all in this together like why i don't know like why do we have to be pitted against each other yeah that's been something that i think you know has been i I remember that year and talking to we the first time about the film i think it was before it was actually released publicly so um, we were trying to talk about it but not you know knowing that people won't have a chance to to view it but it was definitely something that i that was just kind of heart-wrenching for me to see um as part of the film was just the, the women who did come forward were just out like just complete outcasts and how alone they must felt with that yeah with that fight um just because I didn't do litigation as an attorney but knowing how drawn out that whole process can be and how draining I mean they purposely try to wear you down Mm -hmm. um and to think about them kind of going through that and losing their best friends in the process um I just, you know, that really struck a nerve with me. I, I honestly felt like I'm talking to Lee for that episode because I was kind of just on another one of my rants. But, you know, it's like if people don't want to listen to the podcast anymore because I'm just kind of saying that that's not right and that's not fair, um, that they actually did make a difference that you're benefiting from. And I was pretty vocal about it, but I was just like, well, if nobody wants to listen anymore because I said that, then so be it. But it was just, it's true. We should, I just wish we always supported each other. And granted, there's, you know, what you hear in the media versus kind of like the real details and truth of the situation. And I think people are kind of quick to judge like, well, what kind of person was she? And she was just out for self or attention. And I'm like, that's not what it boils down to when you actually are going through the motions of just everything that goes into a lawsuit. It's not like you just make that decision flippantly at all. Um, and you knowing that you're saying goodbye to your dancing days is just a huge sacrifice that unfortunately people didn't see because they were just concerned about the image that might be tainted, I guess, yeah. from, but if they weren't doing anything wrong, then there wouldn't have been anything to talk about. It's just like, exactly. Or like, right. or like the loss of a program and it's like, okay, well, if you have to mm-hmm. just disband the program, what's the point? Yeah. 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 Well, I can't remember which which um, cheerleader it was, but like she was talking about how much she loved it. It was, you know, something that she enjoyed so mm-hmm. much. But, you know, to, at a certain point, it, you have to like think about, you know, yourself as a person and how you're being treated. And like Aaron and I, we did four and five years. And so like she was saying, when we kind of had people kind of look at us like, wait, what, like in the very beginning of the podcast, like, what are you guys doing? You know, what's this about? It's like we're not here to to, to trash it. Talk terribly yeah. on yeah. trash it. Yeah. I mean, we did it for four and five years. Obviously, we loved it. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't have come back. So yeah. Right. It's just No, I think it's just something that we all pour so much into it. And I think unfortunately, because of some the way that some of the teams have reacted to getting some criticism or refusing to manage a situation. Um because I just feel like if their response was, okay, this is news to us, this is not the way things should be done, we're going to fix it, handle it, keep it quiet and just fix it, you know, then there wouldn't have really been so much of a problem. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just that defensiveness and kind of like, um, and then people worrying about mm-hmm. the reaction of dismantling this program altogether. And that shouldn't, I wish that weren't a legitimate fear, but we're seeing like what happens, unfortunately, um, when they think that that kind of decision can go unchecked. It's just it just it just reinforces that cycle of just being quiet, because I mean, I could see people having a takeaway that, okay, if I have issues with my program, I'm not saying anything because I don't want the program to go away. And that's that's just going to put us back a few years in in the to the extent they're not doing things above board. And I think we're just asking for some basic stuff here. It's not, you know, rocket science or something that's so revolutionary. I mean, we've moved past, you know, like not being paid for your time. I think we've moved away from that or people aren't breaking the law in that respect. But um, but there are other things that I'm sure programs can improve upon. And I wish that the that the respect was there for just a dialogue about it in a safe way where you could kind of raise those concerns and then being listen to and heard and and then address 
I think it's it's possible that that could happen. And then we wouldn't be in a space of feeling so overprotective of the opportunity to dance being taken away. Yeah. And the cheerleaders and dancers on teams, I think, in my opinion, make game day. I mean, what is game day without the entertainment aspect? So I think that all these teams that are doing that or moving in like a different direction, I think we'll shortly realize that, hey, maybe we could have handled this differently. Like, you know, with the first ladies of football um, just like a month ago, or I think it was about a month ago, um, the way they handled that, I don't know. I just, it's it's terrible. It's- and I know like we had, um, we had Christy on a couple episodes back. She was a... Um, member of the um I cannot can never Washington Wizards (laughs) Washington Wizards NBA and I mean they kind of rebranded their team but they did it in such like a respectful way they you know helped have they brought them all together and they had like a meeting and didn't just completely just throw them in the dark with all the rest of the people you know in the world to find out at the same time the same way I don't know well and that's 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 the exact thing is their coach was advocating for them. It's a complete like reflection of yeah. the level of respect the organization has for the cheerleaders slash like also the mm-hmm. communication between the organizations, you know, which we've talked about how that can be so mm-hmm. off sometimes. And I just think it's dangerous to get comfortable with, oh, well, this isn't fair, but I'm just going to be quiet about it because yeah, we don't want to lose the opportunity to dance, but it just, it creates a space for abuse and being taken advantage of for future teams and women. And I don't know why you wouldn't want to use a platform that you have to speak out about that, especially in today's world. Like women aren't standing for this anymore. So why should cheerleaders like, this is not, this is not our thing. Like this is not the time we're just going to sit I back hope and take not. it. I hope not. I mean, I, I interviewed Derek from Wizards and um, he, it was just like, you just wanted to hug him through the computer because he just said it really plain. He really did advocate internally and said, I will move in this direction that you want to go. Um, he was like, I'm not going to take away spots from the women that are on the team. It would have to be in addition to. And so I need budget basically to have, you know, six more or, you know, to increase the size of the team. So that way that they, women weren't competing for a spot with the men that they were wanting to introduce to the program. And I just was like, I remember Brittany and I were just kind of like mouths dropped because that's all it really took was just having the respect for the women to say, you know, I'm going to keep this as great of an experience for you as possible, but he was so passionate about it. And it's just that mutual respect um, that he found a way to, obviously meet the demands of his higher ups, but at the same time push that I actually need to handle this in a way that's respectful to those dancers. And that's really all it takes. And we shouldn't settle for anything less to your point, Aaron, like Mm -hmm. we're over that phase, hopefully (laughs) where we just have to talk about it privately. Oh, that's so sad or sucks. Um, but not really actually doing anything to, to fight it. And like, you know, keeping on the topic of respect and the theme of respect, like being respectful, being professional, like there is a way to do it. And I feel like, you know, uh, creating a platform like we all have with our podcasts, like just I think this is the first step, just not really staying quiet and, you know, being yeah. being honest. And just continuing to highlight the positive aspects of what we do. I mean, I think any chance that you get to learn more about your peers, um, and dance and just in everybody's journey. I mean, you're inspiring other people to pursue the sport. And so there's just other, so many other positive aspects of, of what we're doing with these platforms to kind of keep our voices elevated and heard. And, and we have to value each other enough to want to listen and learn and, um, and just support one another. Cause I think that's really going to help preserve what we're doing so that there's, there are teams to cheer on in the future. I think we, absolutely have to kind of rally together now so that people know that this space matters um, and that we don't want it to disappear. So it's just kind of almost more critical now than ever for us to have these platforms, have these voices, and for people to listen and to kind of continue to support more people wanting to do what we do or have done. So I know that 
you were a seagull. Yes. And um, they've since rebranded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they've since re- rebranded. Um, are you guys, as like a seagull unit, still um, kind of connected in a way? I mean, I know that there's it's completely different now, mm-hmm. but um, maybe you could talk a little bit about your feelings. I know you did talk about it on an episode. I remember listening. Yeah, that's a, it's a tough, it's a tough situation in my, from my perspective. Um, I think by and large, um, we're, we're a tight knit community to some extent. Um, you know, we all love Courtney, the director. Um, and so we all kind of like know one another of each other. Our alumni network wasn't like as big as maybe like the first ladies of football or different ones, but, you know, we did have like a Facebook group and I think everybody rather than just address Mm -hmm. the change in a way that was probably more critical of it. I think we were wanting to support Courtney kind of going through that change, knowing that it probably was something that she had to do versus like, I'm just going to voluntarily decide to kill seagulls and create something different new. But, um, But I think, you know, it's hard because the legacy of what the seagulls was represented, you know, that sisterhood, it kind of doesn't like, we don't exist anymore. If that makes any sense. Like, yes, the Facebook group is still there. Mm -hmm. um, And I know that there's like, you know, posts about the Seahawks dancers as a team, but we, you know, there really is no, proof of our existence like there's no there was no space preserved for us to continue to celebrate what it is that we did and and that part is still heartbreaking to me frankly I think um it was a mistake to kind of like wipe wipe away history I think from the minute that the Seahawks dancers was created as a new team that is a start as of 2019 or whatever year it happened that's 2019 onwards whereas you had a program that was over 40 years old and to not keep that as part of the story. Um, it, it feels very disjointed because, you know, I mean, my group of tight friends and everybody that I talk to that's an alumni of the Seagulls program feels that sense of loss. Like it's not the same. It is different. And there really isn't, it's just a weird feeling because you just kind of feel like you were, um, I'm trying to think of a good analogy, but you're just kind of like lost in space with it. And um, it's unfortunate because it really was an established program. Everybody felt proud to be associated with it. And it's not that something's wrong with the Seahawks dancers team. It's just that there was nothing wrong with our team and we no longer exist. And um, the same reasons why that would never happen in Dallas should still should apply to every single all female dance team or cheerleading team, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Well, it's kind of like, you know, this year with everything with COVID, I mean, Aaron and I retired and then COVID hit a month later and, you know, Gold Rush didn't hold auditions. Um, They just took back the girls from the previous, previous year. And I mean, I know that there was a lot going on and just, you know, having virtual auditions wasn't an option for them. And that was the decision that they decided to make, but they cheered at one game, and for whatever reason, they couldn't cheer at any other games in, in, for the rest of the season. And I, I'm not saying this is anything like your situation, but it's almost like a little taste of it because it's like there's no cheerleaders in this, or there's no cheerleaders in the, on the field. There's no cheerleaders, you know, representing Gold Rush at appearances. And it's it's not like they're supplementing with anything. Like they're not like posting bios on the the 49ers Instagram or they're they're not they're not incorporating and, them in any virtual way at all. So and and I think that's another point of frustration is the disconnect too. Yeah. And I mean I know Aaron Aaron and I talk a lot outside of the podcast and sometimes I wish we were just recording our conversations <laughs> because I was just talking to her. I was just talking to her the other day and I was saying that you know, I joined the team in 2015 and every single year I felt like a bigger and bigger disconnect between like our team and the 49ers organization. And it's sad because, you know, I remember my first year I went to an appearance on um, 
the, during Fleet Week on the USS Somerset, and we were there with the you know a, a bunch of people within the front office and you know players, and we represented the team, and I felt like I was like a part of the 49ers organization, and I still did my till my last season, but every year it just felt like a bigger and bigger disconnect, and I it's sad for me to say that because. I, you know, the Niners is like family to me and I still (laughs) am like, you know, forever faithful, but it was, it was really sad for, to see that happening each year. And I mean, we could probably point out a couple of things and reasons, um, but I don't know. I don't know if any of them are fair though. No. And I'm not saying they were, I'm not saying they were, but I could think of a couple of reasons as to why. And it's, it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> it almost seems like, you know, when you can kind of sense that you're not being valued, you know, you're going to probably getting, get more and more kind of pushed out of the conversation or mm-hmm. um, overlooked or just told what's going to be happening versus incorporating your feedback. And that's mm-hmm. just a sign that I think of um, there being a perceived lack of value for the cheerleaders and, um, right. I remember feeling at times, I mean, I think there was a good amount of respect for the cheerleaders within the Seahawks organization, but I think there were times where, you know, in terms of appearances, where it's just like, we'll just slap a couple of cheerleaders there and have them take pictures and not really any real like effort right. to really figure out a, a, a meaningful way to incorporate us in their corporate sponsorships or community appearances. Mm-hmm. I mean, not all the time, but it was just kind of like an afterthought versus, wow, we can actually contribute and do something meaningful here to create an engagement with the fans. And I just kind of, I feel like sometimes the directors might operate on their own island, either because that's their management style or because of the lack of support internally. So they kind of just have to figure everything out on their own and they maybe don't have the benefit of kind of a broader team that they can kind of get support from or ideas and and be included on conversations. I mean, I don't, I'm not a director. I don't know all of these things, but just different insights from conversations. It seems like if you do operate in an island, which I think sometimes we did, um, well, not we, but I think the Seahawks program mm-hmm. ran very independently of the broader front office. Um, you know, there's pluses and minuses with that because I think if, you know, you understand your, your mm-hmm. team's worth and value because that's your world and, you know, but if you're not helping other people to see that as well, um, then I think you can kind of get, you know, pushed out. And that's just a really unfortunate, I think, disconnect um, to your point, Erin. It's just kind of like they don't see or they're not even thinking outside of the box of ways of incorporating us into the bigger picture. And that's just such a missed opportunity. I mean, you might have, you know, corporate sponsors yeah. and you'll have somebody who's on the team that is in that sa- that works in that same field. Like there's so many ways of looking at like the backgrounds of the dancers and who they are and what communities they represent to really figure out a meaningful way of tying them in. And I just, I hate that those conversations aren't happening within organizations because I think then it becomes, Mm -hmm. well, they're just dancers or they're just game day entertainment or, you know, and then you just kind of keep reducing their significance to where you can't figure out any other way to incorporate the dancers, even if they can't be on the field. Like how much did you, try you know not the director i'm speaking of just kind of like the larger organization i think yeah and and then if that's the thing it's like one look at a bio for one cheerleader like you will find a story to yeah. tell you know that 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 would interest or add depth to the individual and and get gain the respect of the fans and i remember it was always so frustrating especially towards the end of like my time with gold rushes because we see how amazing our team is. We see all the hard work and we see mm-hmm. all of that. And we know our directors see it too. But the thing with the 49ers is they have an amazing video production team, right? Like they have a whole sector of Levi Stadium that's like 49ers Productions, Media I think production. it's called. Media. Yeah. And, and, and they would produce like, you know, two to four like amazingly edited videos for the Jumbotron for each game. And every pregame rehearsal, I would just get so mad. I couldn't even watch the screen because we would never be featured in any of them, yeah. like not one. And, and there's so much content. Like we are in the, in the 
tech age. We are in the tech capital of the world. And like, I know there's content being gathered of us and it's just not being used. And, and I remember my, my line captain, I was standing next to her and she's just like, it's all about what they're willing to portray right of us and, and how much they're willing to push the cheerleaders. Like if they, if they pushed us, like we were important and they, they, promoted the team like in the way that Dallas does or in the way that the teams that are so clearly connected to their cheerleaders do it would have completely a completely different significance to the brand and the fans and the whole thing and the other thing is is I think there's the side of directors that want to push and advocate for that but then I think kind of tying back into our early conversation of teammates being afraid to speak out in fear of being disbanded. I feel like when the directors, the directors kind of share that same fear of speaking up too much and just being like, well, you're annoying. So you're just, we're going to be done because we don't want to, we don't want to step on any toes. Like, or we don't, we, that's just too much work to to deal with. And, and it's, it just sucks. (laughs) It just sucks. I do feel like you're so spot on about just, the same little video bites that we might get, like from all the routines that we do, busting our butt the whole entire game. Like the only video clip you can get is us rallying with our palms or like a hair flip. Like it's a just boot. like, come on, man. Yeah. yeah, like we can yeah. do so much better than that in terms of um, incorporating the impact from being at an event in the community or catch our interactions or a conversation with the, I know that requires clearance and stuff to like show us talking to kids and all of that, but there's a way um, to tell our stories and our significance and show the the level of connection that we have, where it's not just posing with pictures, but the conversations Mm -hmm. that we have and the feedback that we hear from the community about, like we're the only ones that they get to interact with on that level. They don't get to take, put their arm around freaking Drew Brees and take a picture or, you know, the big names on the teams. And so um, I just think if they tried to look at us from just a whole new clean slate, um, then there would just be an appreciation for what we do contribute to the brand. And that's something that, again, just we have to have our own narratives around because, you know, to your point, the directors can't really be in that position where they're the only ones continuously advocating. They almost need like an internal champion that they can kind of go to to, that also supports that. And I think we we just kind of have to start thinking outside of the box, in my view, of ways of – showing that connection. And I don't like even buying into this idea of proving our worth, but I just think we have to think of ways of showcasing that we do have our own brand as the gold rush. And these are the, you know, our community of fans. This is, you know, it's almost like doing your own, doing it without the support of the organization to kind of build that story yourself. And that's just something I think is risky for directors to kind of take that path of, well, I'm going to tell it for you, but I just think we kind of have to do that to build up the res- more respect. It's not that it's not completely there, but just, I always think like, if I were a director, what would I do? But it's like, I would want my own metrics, my own ways of showing the effectiveness of my team. I would want to show like, look at posts when I talk about this amazing chick's background. And like I said, chick, but you know what I mean? Like this, look at this dancer. I shared the, her story on social media and look how many views it got. Like we put together a really rough video, but, you know, imagine what we could do if we got some video production support from our team. And we actually did like a, a little marketing, <laughs> just a little yeah, bit. A I don't little. think, I think a pretty... little. It, give us an intern for God's right. sakes, like right. just an intern at this exactly. point, like they can do it. Like, don't even pay them. Like they, they're there for the experience and exactly. they'll do a great job. It's just thinking like, outside the box. But okay. Like, yeah. Well, and okay. I feel like let's concoct a plan, BFFs. <laughs> I hope you're listening. Um, I think we need to infiltrate. I think we need <laughs> alumni cheerleaders who are now like you know on the path to like launching their career. If you want to go get into social media or like team relations or anything in the sports, like apply to your organization's front office and work work from the inside. Yeah. We're gonna <laughs> and advocate for your. For your your team and your hmm. your you know your girls on on the field and and your boys now too, but I think that's like you said, you have to have someone 
in there, like kind of pushing like, hey, like the story's there, like that, like we don't need to work that hard. We just need to market and highlight them in a different way. Well, and that's what I'm wondering if maybe my first year there was somebody else. So somebody in the front office or, you know, um, in a higher position that was pushing for us maybe a little bit more. Yeah. But (laughs) and maybe push a little Push a little yeah, harder. probably just relationships too, like to your point, maybe it was somebody that was in role, but yeah. I think, you know, finding time for, yeah. um, to try to build those bridges and those relationships internally, it's almost like a lot of, I mean, we do that with our own jobs, right? Like people won't necessarily know the amazing work that we do, um, but you kind of have to do your own little internal marketing to say, to like brag about your wins. I mean, I hate playing that game. I just want the proof to be in the pudding, but, but it's true that it's kind of like, you have to continue, right. you have to be your own cheerleader to get others to believe in why you're so valuable to the organization. And I just think that's something that we can't afford not to do in this time that we're in because, you know, with COVID and, you know, the revenue not being there for these NFL teams, I think we're the easy low hanging fruit to, make a decision just based on costs alone. And that's something that I would hate to see happen um, in the upcoming season, but it's just, it's a reality, but we have to, again, just think outside of the box of ways to still continue building that brand and and showing the room for possibilities to, if we really just highlighted what we did in a, in a more meaningful way. I know there's a new season starting up here. We're in audition season and I, I know a couple teams have, posted that they are holding auditions or, you know, to stay tuned for some audition information. So that's exciting. Um, I really hope that, you know, a lot of teams can have fans, you know, whether that be at a limited capacity um, and, you know, have teams and, you know, move forward like we've been talking about this whole episode. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I hope so too. But I'm in a break right now because I'm, I'm still trying to figure out when to launch the new season because I, I'm just waiting for a strong indication that we will actually have an NFL cheerleading season. It was hard covering this space last year, and there's some teams that have formed, but they're not able to do anything. There's some that are at games. Um, it, it was just all over the place, and some teams had never formed. Um, so it's I'm really hoping that it's a different landscape going into this next NFL season. I mean there is a vaccine now and hopefully circumstances are different where there will, there won't be a reason to kind of not have cheerleaders because I think that's just something that I can't, I can't stomach. So I'm hoping that it's different. Right. Yeah, I know. And Aaron and I have never been to a game and been able to watch on the sidelines and watch the gold rush and support the gold rush. Yeah. Or tailgated. (laughs) I really want to tailgate. (laughs) Yeah. We really want to tailgate. We just want to now, tailgate. like you know, I can even bring my baby. Like he'll be all decked out. Like it'll be great. Oh, exactly. No, I want things to get back to normal too. I mean, it was definitely fun to be on the other side and just rooting for everybody and performing and um, and even just seeing in a different light, like what you did on the field and like what it's like um, yeah. as a fan to watch. Um, so yeah, I miss those days and really hope we get back to doing what we love, like full out without restriction after restriction, like fingers crossed. That's what we'll have. All right. So Makiba, our final question, how are you breaking formation? The way that I am breaking formation, I'm just not accepting anything less. Honestly, I just think that we cannot let things slide. Um, respect is one of the biggest values that I hold dear. And I just think respect for what, who we are and what we do and and getting others to show that respect is just something that I think is is breaking formation. I'm not being quiet about it. I'm not being apologetic about it. It's just being fearless even too, because we just have to stand up. It's just, we're, we're too amazing to kind of cower to make other people feel comfortable and for our spots to be feel safe. Like we just have to be bold, I think at this point. And that is breaking formation. Like it's okay to to stand out, stand out of line a little bit, just to kind of get the point across because we're worth it at the end of the day. That's just my view. Well, thank you so much for for coming on Breaking Formation. This was long awaited. Oh my gosh, my pleasure.
Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe to Breaking Formation podcast on all listening platforms and follow us on Instagram at Breaking Formation podcast. And if you have any questions or want to reach out, please feel free to email us at breakingformation at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at BFPomcast. Thanks for listening.